Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm here with Shep Hyken, Customer Service Speaker and CAO of Shepherd Presentations. And also, congratulations, Shep. You're also the author of your most recently released book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again, which I love. I wanted to add a few more again and agains to that. I thought that would be quite funny for a subtitle for a book, just again and again and again, repeated over the page. Welcome to the podcast, Shep. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. And firstly, just off the bat, CAO is not a title that we get too often on this podcast. So maybe if you could start there by introducing yourself to our listeners in your own words, what are you passionate about and what is a CAO and what do you do? Yeah. And I wondered when you said that, I wonder if people go, did they make a mistake? Uh, but no, CAO is Chief Amazement Officer. And if there's something I'm passionate about is creating amazing experiences for customers and employees. And that's what my whole life mission is about. That's what my business is about. I've been doing this for almost 40 years now. I'm not that old, but I have been doing it for a long time. And um, uh, we help our clients create amazing experiences for their customers as well as their employees. And I mentioned in the intro there that you're the author of a new book, I'll Be Back, um, which I think, is that your eighth book? It is. It's number eight. Um, and that and nine, if you want to include the reboot, uh, I guess, or revision of The Cult of the Customer, but officially eight books. Yeah. So eight books, seven best-selling books that have made uh, lists like the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, USA Today. And that was really one of the starting points that I wanted to learn more about. So you mentioned there that this has been your whole career to date. Your new book is more specifically, um, it's more in the area of retention and loyalty. And so I wanted to know why now? Um, Is there anything that's triggered you to focus in on the area of loyalty and retention at this point in time? Sure. I mean, I think I've always focused in on retention and ideally creating customer loyalty. I've been writing about that for years and years. And this book, which is titled I'll Be Back, How to Get Your Customers to Come Back Again and Again. And if you want to add some extra (laughs) agains and agains, I'm happy for you to do that because that's what we're focused on. But where it all started is there was this idea that was mulling around in my mind for the last several years. 
I had the opportunity to work with a great client. They're a franchisor of hair salons. And I did a series of meetings where it's over a thousand, of fran- a thousand franchisees as well as managers of these salons. And by the way, I always think it's funny that they hired a bald guy <laughs> to come in and talk to the people uh, about <laughs> hair salons because uh, it was like really hard to do my market research. It's like I couldn't <laughs> go in and say, hey, can you give me a haircut? Um, but anyway, I digress. So in talking to the CEO, and I wrote an article about this in my Forbes column, gosh, probably about four years ago. And it just never stopped. Um, I I don't know. I'm not going to say it was nagging at me, but Mm. there was something about it in a positive way that just kept making me think. And here's what he said. He goes, we love to know if we gave somebody a good haircut, if they loved our service, if they loved the process, et cetera, et cetera. And for that, they used the typical survey questions like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you know, how'd you like your haircut? Or the net promoter score, scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood that you'd recommend? He says, but really more important is to monitor the behavior of the customer. I kept thinking about this. Now, the behavior is, do they come back? Mm-hmm. And how often do they come back? Ah, that's, that's a little bit different. So now I frame this up that whenever we are looking at survey information, we're looking in the rearview mirror. It's a history lesson and very important to learn that history. We must understand what we did well, what we didn't do well, what we can improve on. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. But getting somebody to say, I'll be back, and then when they actually do it, well, that's even more important. So we're measuring now behavior, not just data or or surveys. And that's the big difference. So I started thinking about this, and I said, I'm going to write a book. And, uh, you know, I, I actually started it before COVID, but thanks to COVID, I had lots of time to spend uh, really getting into this content and concept of the idea that behavior is probably the most important measurement you need to remember mm-hmm. and work on. Now, I'll add to that one other thing, and then we can get into some other ideas, is that when you are looking at behavior, you should look at what your typical customer's behavior is. In other words, what's your best customer look like on average? I mean, do, do your top 20% of the customers, do they come back once a week, once a month, once a year? You know, it doesn't matter what your business is. In the haircutting business or the salon business, Somebody might come back once a month, and that's typical repeat customer behavior. So our goal is to get this current customer to mold into that repeat customer's cadence. And, you know, there's going to be, you know, in the salon business, you've got people that get different treatments. So it might be once a quarter, once every six weeks, once a month. But you get the idea. And when you understand what the different personalities and personas of your customers are, you can start to push new customers into that existing cadence of the repeat customer. Hmm. That's really interesting for me to think about because I look at what you're saying through a marketing lens. And I've probably spoken about this quite a a lot on the podcast before, but I think just from my experience in general in marketing, I meet a lot of acquisition-hungry marketers and businesses. So businesses and marketers that have very much focused on acquisition, so acquiring new customers, and then not thinking too much about the retention strategies and what goes into all of the effort and all of the strategies and all of the frameworks that you need in place to get the customer to come back. And so it's definitely top of mind for me um, because we're so, I think I used the phrase there, we're so acquisition hungry that it's very easy to forget what you were just talking about there, the analysis of user behavior because 
if you're going to commit to customer retention and getting customers to come back and customer satisfaction, you have to commit to that in more than just words. I think you have to actually commit to that by allocating budget to it and allocating resource to it and making it a part of your team. And I'm really interested, just you mentioned COVID as you were talking there. And so I just want to know from your perspective, of all of the companies that you work with and people that you speak about about this topic, have you seen the topic of customer retention and customer loyalty take a higher priority in people's minds because of the pandemic? Is it something that's been brought to the surface even more clearly for business owners? Well, I think it should be if it's not. But I will tell you that many businesses were focused mostly on survival mm. and not much more of, of, of anything other than what are we going to do to just keep our doors open, to keep our people employed, to ideally get our customers to buy whatever it is. And in some businesses, you know, it flourished, but other businesses truly struggled some and I hate using that word pivot, but that's what a lot of people said. We pivoted. <laughs> well, I have a friend of mine. He's in the restaurant business and restaurants were shut down mm. at the beginning of COVID. And he said, but I don't understand. Uh, you can go to a grocery store and they've got all these prepared foods. And granted, they took them off a buffet and they put them behind a counter and somebody was serving them. And he started thinking about it and he reopened his restaurant as a store that sold the ingredients to his sandwiches and the other dishes. And so it, it was perfect because he was able then to stay open. Now, people didn't eat in his little restaurant, but they were able to come in and purchase everything they needed to take home. And of course, he set up for delivery and for curbside pickup. But that's the flexibility you need to focus on. But you just said something that's really important to me, and that is that you said marketers work so hard to get those customers in the door. Mm. Well, if customer service and experience isn't marketing, I don't know what is. <laughs> because you can't just get them in the door and then say, okay, that's it. We've got to give them a reason to come back. We've got to give them a reason to talk about us. And that's what service and experience will do. It'll give that customer uh, the motivation to want to come back. But more importantly, if we can get them to say things about us, to leave reviews, to talk to their friends and family about what we do, depending upon the kind of business we're in. And if it's B2B, then we're asking and hoping that our customers will talk to their colleagues or go to an industry meeting and or get on a forum and mention something about us. You know, there's an old Bonnie Raitt song that says, let's give them something to talk about. <laughs> now, her song was to talk about love, but how about customer love? If we give enough love to those customers and clients and guests, whatever we want to call them, they're going to reciprocate with repeat business and ideally word of mouth from them to the rest of the world. Uh, you know, one other thought about this idea that we want our clients to come back again and again there is an idea that I have called the loyalty question, which really is to, number one, say that loyalty is not about a lifetime. It's about the next time. Hmm. And number two, here's the actual question that drives that. What am I doing right now to make sure that customer comes back the next time they need what I do or what I sell? And you can be in a customer support situation where somebody is calling for help. You can be managing complaint or you can just be dealing with them throughout the interaction that you have with them in order to get them to buy whatever it is that you sell. And you should be focused on not just this sale today, but what am I doing? And am I handling this situation the right way? Am I giving the customer what they need so they know 
were the place to come back to. That's what drives the repeat business. And breaking some of that down, so I'm really interested to know whether my thoughts and experiences match or differ from yours. So again, I'm looking at things through a marketing lens, but I also work with lots of business owners, small business owners, um, executives from larger corporations. I'm assuming you also work with a lot of marketers, a lot of business owners as well. Do you think, and I appreciate this will vary quite dramatically, but do you think at least from a marketing lens, do you see the same things as me? Do you see too much budget maybe committed to marketing acquisition and maybe there's too much of a gap or maybe the customer service part is undervalued? Is that something you see at all? Well, I, I think that uh, it's the budget is being spent on customer experience right now. Hmm. Um, it is one of the hottest topics out there. It's been talked about now for probably at least a decade. And all of a sudden, it, I mean, it's been it's been bubbling and bubbling, but now we're getting this surge. Uh, and I, I wonder if it's because people are, are recognizing that, you know, and I think you alluded to this earlier with your con- uh, your question about customer loyalty. Mm-hmm. Customer loyalty is up for grabs right now. Mm-hmm. People who have customers who've been doing business with companies all of a sudden are have learned to do business a different way. They've been forced to do business a different way. Um, whether it be, again, B2C or B2B, it doesn't matter. We have a new mindset. As a result, we need to understand our customers' expectations even more than we have in the past. The budget? Wow. Well, if you're not allocating the right resources to making sure that experience works, and by the way, that experience comes through great people. So you're hiring the right people, you're paying them right, you're uh, training them properly, training costs a little bit, you're constantly reinforcing that training. And uh, I would say that you're investing in technology, the right technology that's going to create a process that's great internally so that the employees can better take care of their customers externally. Also, on the external side, you're investing in technology that's going to allow customers to use digital platforms that maybe you hadn't used before. Um, I know that I'm I'm using more of my the apps on my phone tied to different businesses than I have in the past hmm. because the apps now create a, a different experience than pre-COVID. That might be the way I pay uh, a company, you know, using a touchless or payless system. And, and maybe it's the way I order something, you know, using an app rather than just calling up or going in cold. So there's lots of different ways to invest, and we're seeing companies spend more and more on that. I really want to come back to that point in just a moment, but I have a burning question before we get to back to some of those points. That's really interesting to me. Uh, my burning question, the thing that I'm interested in is, you were talking a moment ago there about the loyalty question that you ask yourself. And I was thinking to myself, you must see lots of situations where, I assume anyway, that business owners will come to you And they'll say, you know, we are focused, you know, we're not getting returning customers, we're not getting repeat customers, but we we really are focused on it. Perhaps we have this loyalty program, or perhaps we have this offer. So perhaps the loyalty is more based in something that's superficial and not meaningful. And I'm just interested to know along that same train of thought, are there any tear your hair out frustrations that you have that you hear over and over again? where businesses perhaps thinking that they are focused on customer loyalty and retention, but it's actually not in a meaningful and deep way or as deep as it should be. Right. This is exactly one of the topics we cover in the book, I'll Be Back. 
And it is the difference between repeat business and loyalty. Mm. It's also the difference between a loyalty program and a marketing program. And I don't tear my hair out over this. First of all, I don't have the hair to tear out, but (laughs) even if I did, I wouldn't. And it's not so much that it's frustrating. It's that some companies don't recognize what they're actually doing. By the way, if you have, and, and let me just say right up front, what it may sound in a moment like I'm knocking somebody for focusing on repeat business using a marketing program mm-hmm. that they're accidentally calling a loyalty program. I'm not, I think repeat business is gold and loyalty is sacred. I, I mentioned that even on the back cover of the book. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this for a moment. Repeat customers are not necessarily loyal customers. And the way to know is to find out the why behind their purchasing habit. Why do you come to our store? If they say, because you have the lowest prices, what happens when another store has lower prices? You're more convenient. What do you mean? Well, you're only three miles from my house. Your competitor is four miles from my house. Mm -hmm. What happens if the competitor moves (laughs) a mile in closer? Is the customer going to leave? So you need to understand the why behind the cadence of the customer's habits. So that's number one. And by the way, if you understand it and it's something you need to be worried about, fix it. It, You can do this. You can say, okay, well, if it's low prices you're interested in, I get it. But what can I do to insulate myself in case my competitor has a special sale or a lower price? It may be I need to give a little bit more human-to-human interaction, something that will create this emotional connection with the customer. And by the way, that's what a lot of, that's where a lot of loyalty comes from is an emotional connection where the customer feels connected somehow, some way more than just a transaction. And it could be the people you're dealing with. It could be the confidence that's created. Uh, you know, it, they may love the process. Uh, it may be this consistent and predictable experience. They know they're always going to get And not that it's so much better than the other place, but it's so predictable that they don't want to mess with success. All right. So let's now talk real quickly about loyalty programs versus marketing programs, Hmm. because this is important. If I am a restaurant and I give you a card and I say, every time you come in here, I'm going to punch your card. And the sixth time you come in, you get a free sandwich or whatever it is. So basically what you're doing is you're giving me 20% off first five purchases, We're just ganging it all up into the sixth purchase, if that makes sense. That's not a loyalty program. That may get a customer to come back, but it's not going to create loyalty. And and I'll ask you, I don't know if you've been flying around much lately, and I don't know if you've ever done much with frequent flyer miles, but I ask a lot of people, what airline do you fly? And they tell me, and then I go, why do you fly them? And I go, and eventually many people will say, well, I have all my frequent flyer miles there and I'm trying to accumulate as many as possible. And I'll ask then if, if miles were taken out of the equation, in other words, no, uh, plane or no airline would give you any more miles. Would you still fly on that airline? And I am amazed at how many people say, no, I would switch. Hmm. In other words, they're loyal to the program and not the airline. Hmm. And this is a really important concept. Make sure that if you're going to create a loyalty program, you understand what it really is. Uh, Amazon, for example, has prime membership. Some people mistakenly call it their loyalty program. Hmm. Amazon calls it their membership program. And when you have a member and you treat them right and you give them value for that membership, they wouldn't want to go anywhere else. 
that's really getting closer to loyalty by creating this membership program. Furthermore, when somebody pays, I believe it's $129 a year now, they want to get their money's worth. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. But what Amazon has figured out a way to do is to give people not only their money's worth, but more than their money's worth. It's not just free delivery. It's free movies. It's it's TV shows. It's music. It's a number of other benefits that you get by being a member of the Prime program. So there's many different ways to move a customer from repeat business to loyal mm. loyalty, but don't confuse a marketing program with a loyalty program or a repeat customer with a loyal uh, with a loyal customer. They're different. They're all good, but you just need to understand what you're doing. Mm. And that leads me nicely because I'm really curious from someone that's in this space. You distinguish between those two things very clearly. And also, I think, I assume you must be passionate about the examples of actual loyalty and businesses that are focused on loyalty as opposed to marketing strategies. So do you have any favorite examples that come to mind for you about, you just talked about the why, the businesses that really are able to focus on the, you know, why did you come back? Yeah, I mean, there's so many great companies out there. Um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate in my job in that I get to stay at some pretty nice places when companies have meetings. Uh, they'll sometimes, by the way, I'll end up going to some small town and stay in the, you know, a holiday and, and that's great. But many times if I'm in a larger city, I'm put in some pretty nice places mm -hmm. and I watch how hotels justify the high prices compared to another hotel that's a medium priced hotel. Uh, for example, a Ritz-Carlton is far different than a typical Holiday Inn. It's also far different in price. And somehow or another, customers are willing to spend more money to get the Ritz-Carlton experience. What do they like? They like the type of room they have. They like the size of the room. They like the people. They like the cleanliness. They like the, the hospitality and the service. But I'll tell you, I was at a hotel in, um, in I believe it was in uh, Kentucky. Yes, I did a speech for a, uh, it's called like the Paddle Sports uh, Association and it's canoes and kayaks. And they wanted to have their conference uh, at a, in a, it wasn't a resort. It was just like a, a regular, uh, what I would almost call a roadside hotel, but it was near water so that they can go out and, and new vendors could show off their, their new products. But anyway, what was really cool, and I, and I wrote about this years ago, I said, if you took the people at this hotel, and you said, gosh, they're amazing. Who would want to hire them? Well, I can guarantee you the Ritz-Carlton, the Four Seasons, and every other major fancy hotel chain would love to hire the people at this roadside hotel that were so friendly, hmm. so focused on taking care of the customer. It is amazing at the wonderful, genuine hospitality mentality that these folks have. And just a, a moment ago, as you were talking, you were explaining that for businesses to focus on customer loyalty and for it to be meaningful, they have to have a few things in place. So you were saying they have to commit budget and resource to it. I think you mentioned about hiring and making sure that you hire people with the characteristics that have customer loyalty at heart. Are there any other characteristics of loyalty-orientated companies that you see that come up quite frequently? I'm looking for maybe skills or characteristics, the other things that should be in place in a company where you can kind of sit back and be rest assured, hey, this company is truly customer focused. Wow, there's there's a lot there. First, I don't know if you're at, if you need to allocate more money to customer experience than you do to marketing. I really mm. think it's the type of business you're in. But 
boy, there's a lot of questions in that that statement. Um, so let's go back. I want to I want to root this answer into the culture of a company mm. and to create the customer focused culture. And I talk about um, I have a ver- I have a six step process, and I've elaborated on this and actually added uh, several steps to this book that I just wrote. And let's see, I'm I'm getting it's I call it the culture challenge. <laughs> so there is a big part of it is do you have the right people mm. on board to deliver what your focus is? So your customer's perception is reality. So everybody who you have on board has to be in alignment. They have to be in it to win it, as I say. You know, when it's everybody on the same page. And the way we get there is by creating, and, and we put this down in writing, what I call the mantra, a one-sentence statement that defines what our customer service is, what the experience should be. Mm-hmm. And when everybody can understand it, well, these people who work for you will go, okay, I understand it. I've memorized it because it's one sentence or less. And then we give them the tools. We train them to do it. Another idea is uh, leadership has to be willing to be the role models and not just showcase what it's like to deal with a customer, but treat the employees the way you want your customers treated. You need to train them properly. And I mentioned training earlier uh, to give them the tools that would empower them to do a great job. And, you know, I can go on and on, but essentially, you know, these are the basics on making sure that you deliver the culture. And my process is simple. You define it, you communicate it all the time, you train everybody to it. Your leadership is the role model. You keep it in alignment and you celebrate it when it works. And uh, that's a very important part, that celebration, because you don't just want to tell people, do it, do it, do it. And just they assume, gosh, I guess I'm doing a good job, but I don't know for sure. And as you're talking that through, something that comes to my mind, which is something I came in as a question for you, uh, and I was really interested to know your experience in this area, is loyalty, but in context of smaller, medium businesses versus larger corporations. Because my assumption is based on all of those things that you just said, in theory, as I think it through, it should be easier to establish true loyalty with customers or from customers in smaller, medium businesses because you have that closer connection. How true would you say that statement is? Does loyalty become more difficult as companies scale? Well, so loyalty shouldn't become more difficult. Um, I think what happens is as a company scales, they lose connection with their customers. And Mm -hmm. that's a shame. So a small business, you know, you've got a big company like Amazon. There's a huge brand. This is the largest B2C retailer online. And they've created this incredible amount of loyalty. And you know how they do it? With the predictable and consistent experience. The moment you place the order, you get acknowledgement via email. Then you are told when it's shipped and you get the uh, shipping information. And then you even get a picture when it shows up at your doorstep saying, hey, it's here. So uh, they've done an amazing job of creating really an amazing number of loyal customers. And it's digital. People say to me, Shep, how does a small company compete with that? Mm. Well, the way they compete is to be more personalized. Now, by the way, large companies can be personalized. Uh, and, and, and really deliver a more, you know, connected experience. If there's a company, uh, that's in the B2B world that, that I work with, they're a large manufacturer of automation equipment, basically robotics, huge, huge machines. 
that companies spend millions of dollars with. Now, here's what's interesting. They are so focused on making sure that their customer is happy for two reasons. One, they want a happy customer and they would love that, that customer to give them repeat business. But two, they recognize that when you buy a piece of machinery that's millions and millions of dollars, you're not going to be buying it every three weeks to replace it every three months, probably more like every 10 years. And if they make a mistake and they lose that customer, it could be another 10 years Hmm. before they get that customer back. So they focus a tremendous amount of effort on that relationship. Granted, it is a B2B experience, so it's not going to be maybe as warm and um, I'm going to use the words warm and fuzzy as you might have with a more personalized retailer that you go in and you buy your clothes from or your you know, you know, go to the restaurant or the shoe repair who recognizes the manager recognizes you every time you walk in the door. But larger companies need to be thinking in the terms in terms of of relationship, not just selling. And they do. Some do an excellent job of that. So um, I believe that each has opportunity. They're just different opportunities. You need to recognize what it is. Just to wrap this idea up, I was doing work with the retailer. And everybody in the audience was a franchise of this retailer and essentially small businesses. And at the end of my speech, the CEO came up and asked me a couple of questions. And one of them was, how do we compete against the big box stores Mm -hmm. and the online retailers? They're just, they cut their prices. They advertise more than us. What can we do? And I said, you're small, you're agile, and you're local. You can do local better than anybody else. Uh, one of these people, uh, one of these clients, or one, I'm sorry, one of these franchisees, if you will, uh, they, they were up against a large big box store that was outspending them by more than 30 times in advertising dollars. So they pulled all their advertising dollars and they started going to schools and they started sponsoring the school dance, the church dance, the kids' baseball teams, and they made themselves a fabric of the community or wove themselves within the fabric of the community. You know, that's really hard to do for a major, major company whose headquarters might be thousands of miles away. So they have that opportunity. Of course, the big company has different opportunities too. So everybody has their chance. Hmm. I've always liked the I've always liked the motto, don't worry what's in someone else's pocket when it comes to kind of financial advice. And it's kind of very applicable to what you're saying there is that smaller medium businesses needn't worry about the technical proficiency of larger corporations. Your goal necessarily shouldn't be to replicate that. It should be to focus on the advantages that you have in, as you just said, two examples, localization and person and personalization. Those are two big advantages that small and medium businesses can take from that part of the conversation, I think. Yeah. And those yeah. those larger companies, by the way, you know, they may have more money uh, and and you don't need to replicate them. You need to understand how to work alongside them. Um, I wrote a book years ago called Amaze Every Customer Every Time, and I used Ace Hardware as the... Uh, role model throughout because everybody, nobody had ever written about Ace Hardware before, but everybody knows who they are and they win all kinds of awards. And one of the things that one of the uh, owners of the Ace Hardware stores did is when Home Depot and Lowe's moved in right next door to them, you know, like within a block or so, 
uh, he called up the managers of these stores and said, I'd love to buy you breakfast or lunch one day. <laughs> and let's talk about how we can work together side by side. I'm sure I can send a lot of people your way. And you could probably spend a lot of or send a lot of people my way as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. It, it, it leads me nicely actually onto something I wanted to ask next, but for you more personally, is that I'm interested to know how you keep your customers and users and visitors and readers coming back to your content. Because, um, Cher, but we haven't spoken about it at this point, and I'm smiling uh, as I talk this through, but you produce so much content. Whether you, We've talked at the beginning, there's eight books, countless um, speaking gigs, keynote talks, and then a YouTube channel full of videos as well. And uh, there were, you've done some releases for this book. And they really made me laugh. And I, I found a lot of the humor in them, which I really liked. And um, I'm just interested I'm just interested to know, just breaking it down for me. So you spoke earlier about the differences between uh, marketing retention strategies and then customer loyalty. Could you just talk to me about how you approach both for yourself? Sure. Well, um, you know, obviously, I, when I do, I do about 50 engagements a year in a normal year, 50 mm. speaking engagements. They're keynote speeches, their, you know, industry updates, whatever. And, and I, I'm fortunate to be able to go around the world. You know, there, you, you are getting into the content side of what I do. You know, one of the ways I, I think that it's not just to, in my business, it's not just about creating loyalty because there's clients that I've been doing, they're going to their meetings, maybe not every year, but I've been going to them for years and years. Mm. I mean, I started almost 40 years ago and last year, uh, actually not last year, just before COVID, I was still working for that client and I will be working for them again rather soon. But it's just that, you know, that's loyalty. I do a good job. They keep coming back. But here's the important part for me. I have to stay relevant. Every company, no matter what they do, if they sell a widget or they sell a service or they sell groceries or they sell machinery, doesn't matter. You have to stay relevant to your customers. So what I've done, and you mentioned the YouTube channel, I've got over 600 videos. Almost everything that I think about related to customer service, it's like, okay, here's another lesson. Here's Mm -hmm. another lesson. I write it up in a blog. I send it out as a newsletter and I create a video about it Mm -hmm. and I share it. And eventually when I have enough ideas, it might be time for another book. Um, So that's what I try to focus on and is being relevant for my audience uh, and relevance means doing research, staying up with the times, staying in touch, and and delivering as promised. And six hundred videos, books, all the the articles that you've produced that doesn't come without good discipline and habit as well. And I'm just interested to know: Do you make it a habit? Have you made it a habit? I assume that over a, a lengthy career, you've found a way to make content production a habit to support your relevancy. But is there any any kind of key advice for any listeners out there might be in a similar position, maybe they're struggling with content production that has really helped you in your journey for creating all of this content that you produce? Right, great question. So um, I, I my mind has now been trained to spot something and say, hmm, I could write an article about <laughs> that. You know, the other day somebody said, so what you're advocating is that you should be not just best in class, uh, I'm sorry, uh, best in your industry, but be best in class. And I thought, well, that was a great way of putting it. Um, I wrote that down. Mm. Guess what? I'm, I, and that was about, I mean, that was one line, one sentence that this person interpreted 
based on what I was saying. And I thought I should write an article about exactly that. Mm. So I'm always looking, but there is a discipline. So I have a very specific schedule of content and I learned for myself, I'm really good at working on deadline. I love to work on deadline. If you tell me something has to be done by Wednesday, I will make sure it's done. And so I know what has to be done every single day of the week. And my goal is to always work two to three weeks out. For example, I've got a podcast and we are set with our shows already, many of them already in the can. We're set two plus months out. Hmm. I write for Forbes every single week. I'm set at least three weeks out. My newsletter that I do is I'm, I'm probably five weeks out on that. And my goal is in case I, for whatever reason, come into a lull, I'm not going to panic. Or let's say uh, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be doing a lot of speaking engagements. By the way, my favorite time to write is on airplanes. (laughs) And uh, I love this this time to do it. But if I'm really busy going airport to airport, city to city, I might, my mind might not be in the mindset to do that kind of writing. So I've got to make sure I have enough in the can that it gives me a buffer. So Content marketing is perhaps one of the strongest types of marketing you can deliver. It creates, uh, it, it creates anticipation. It creates desire for the customer. And you know what? It, it really, it's, it's almost, I'm not going to say it's free because you can pay for part of it. But when you can post articles on LinkedIn, Facebook, videos on YouTube, these platforms are very inexpensive. They should be taken advantage of. And what you're doing is you're creating value for your customers in the form of information that they can use that will help them be better with whatever it is that you sell or just better in general with what they do. And when you do that, you're creating a relationship. That's marketing. And that's some great advice. And that's a really good soundbite there as well, that last few, that's the last couple of minutes. And particularly the point that resonates me, uh, both as a podcast host and uh, someone that writes and has written in the past is, as you've just said, the the leaving yourself plenty of time for when you go through those creative lulls or life gets busy or you get sick. Um, if you give yourself that buffer, that little bit of freedom by working in advance, you're anticipating that something will come happen, life happens, and you won't fall down and you won't get disheartened when it happens because you'll have a bank of your content produced. I think that's a great piece of advice there. And that's not always easy, especially writing on what's happening in the world Mm. right now. Um, but realize, you know, we're not invincible. Something could happen. Uh, illness could happen. Uh, we could, you know, somebody close to us, something could happen, which draws our attention away. Or if you decide you want to take a two or three vacation, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> you know, vacation doesn't mean getting up in the morning and saying, what do I need to write today in order to make sure I hit my content schedule? That's so true. Uh, we hear so much of people working on their vacations or, you know, overworking in the evenings. I know it's a hot topic at the moment, particularly with remote working. But as you've just said, is if you plan in advance for that, you can actually take vacations without that work-related anxiety or concern. You can actually free your mind up to relax, which is uh, what the intention of a vacation is. Thanks so much for all of that advice. Just one final question before... I let you go and we close out. I'm interested to know you've been on this journey. You've created a lot of your own content. Um, you talked about having your own podcast there and the process that you go through. But are there any other perhaps books, resources, podcasts that stand out to you on the topic of customer service or customer retention that you'd recommend to me and our listeners that have helped you on your journey? Wow, um, that's a great. How about let's start with this one. 
<laughs> we'll we'll definitely Seri- start here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, um, you know, my my friends uh, Dan Gingis and Joey Coleman have a podcast called Experience That. Um, there's so many. Uh, you know, uh, I'm I, I can't even begin to start. Um, as I was doing something just for this new book, I'll be back. Uh, I said, I'm going to see how many podcasts I can get on. And <laughs> if people want to hear about the new book, and I'm going to say uh, there's close to 150 that I have either recorded or will be recording in the next few weeks as this book comes out. And uh, that's a lot of podcasts. So where do I start? If you take a look at all, uh, there's many lists, just Google customer service experts. And you're going to find that a lot of these people have podcasts. And you know what? They're all probably pretty good. <laughs> you popped a podcast recommendation is in as you were talking there you've obviously got your own podcast as well and yeah a reminder that shep's book is i'll be back how to get customers to come back again and again shep before we close out the podcast do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you your podcast your book and all of your other activities Sure. Just, well, the book, obviously, you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, if you're listening to this, it may not be out yet. So you can go to I'llBeBackBook.com. And you can also always go to Hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N.com. And there you'll find everything you want to know about me. And finally, you know, you mentioned the YouTube channel, Scott. Mm. And what I'd uh, share there, it's the easiest way to get there is ShepTV.com. ShepTV.com. And uh, there, like I said, 600 plus videos, all kinds of tips and ideas, interviews. So I hope everybody takes advantage of it. It is free content. And by, by the way, uh, you know, years ago, somebody wrote about the more you give, the more you get. And I believe in that, the law of reciprocity. So I keep putting it out there and the phone rings and I'm a very lucky dude to be able to figure that out. <laughs> and listeners, I challenge you. I talked about YouTube earlier and the humor in it. I challenge you to go and watch Shep's videos and not laugh at one or two of them. There's a lot of really good humor in that and about the sales and customer retention is really, it's delivered with good humor, which I think makes it even more engaging. So, uh, congratulations on a a good youtube channel congratulations on the most recent book and thank you so much again for spending this time with me well thank you so much for having me look forward to coming back uh so why don't i just say it i'll be back (laughs) perfect uh this has been the internet marketing podcast take care show When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.